you know, too many times uh, when you talk to businesses and say, you know, how much revenue do you need? They say, well, I have five employees at this amount, so I need to make that amount of money. It's like you're forgetting your profit, you're forgetting your overhead charges, you're forgetting all this stuff, right? And I think that's where they get in trouble is they don't really understand the numbers. Welcome to the Prosperity Perspective by DML, a conversation about how successful business owners invest their hard-earned money to preserve their wealth and what they might have done differently in hindsight. Hello. Thank you for joining us today, guys. Today, we are joined by Harlan Hammock and uh, excited for him to share a little bit about his story, uh, how he had the courage to uh, move from W-2 employment to running his own business and uh, some of the things that went along with that. So without further ado, Harlan, you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks uh, for the opportunity, Liam. Um, yeah, I was a management consultant for about 30 years, um, organizational change management, business transformation. So working with companies that were undergoing some major change, uh, uh, merger acquisition, process reengineering, a restructuring of the business, a big software implementation, anything that uh, impacted the people, process, or technology. Uh, we would go in, work with the executive team to help them understand the change, get their mind around the change, um, the impacts of that change. We would help them then communicate the change to their employees and lead their employees through the change so they were as productive after as they were before. That was really our goal is to keep that productivity level up. Um, getting on a plane every Monday and every Friday uh, was exciting at first. Um, after doing that for about 30 years, um, I told my wife I'd, I'd want to stop traveling so much and focus on uh, the coaching side of it. That's one thing I really loved was working with the executive team to help them be better decision makers, better communicators, better, stronger leaders. And uh, so that's what I've been doing since I've been about five years now, six years, uh, working with local businesses, mainly in the skilled trades, uh, plumbers, electricians, roofers, HVAC, helping those guys that um, are technically very good at what they do, helping them build the business uh, of their dreams, help them put the structures in their business, build their teams and build a, a, an enterprise that kind of runs for them without them needing to be there. That's really been exciting for me. That's great. Uh, I'm sure in your time, you've seen when you're talking change management, probably tons of mergers, there's probably cost cutting initiatives, probably rapid growth, probably seeing all different components of that. Uh, and probably now a lot of growth as you're talking about the skilled trades of you know people building out their own businesses. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. You know, on the big projects, uh, on the consulting side, a lot of times we were there, we would work for six, eight months, 10 months, and then the project effectively would be over, but we didn't really get to see the end result. They were on their way to the end result, but we didn't really get to see, you know, we weren't there for, for when it actually culminated. Now working with these uh, smaller companies, I'm working with the executive team, their leadership team, and really helping them build and seeing the things happen. Uh, one guy that I, I brag about all the time, he was the uh, operations manager of this commercial electrical outfit. He wanted to be a better leader. So he engaged me as a coach. Um, he was frustrated because the owner of the business didn't really want to grow, didn't want to do um, much more than he was doing. Michael knew they could do a lot more if he had the opportunity. So I worked with him, convinced him to buy the business from the owner. So he bought the business. When I first started working with him, they were doing about 750000 annual revenue. And uh, this year they just closed 2.9 million in annual revenue. It's been about 18 months, almost 20 months that we've been working together on that. And uh, that's exciting, you know, to start building the team and seeing him actually achieve the the goals that he set for himself. So that's that's been a lot of fun. What a success story. 
So, uh, you know, as you've gone through that, right, you've probably gone through some of that success yourself. Uh, once you got to that point where you didn't have to worry about, you know, putting food on the table, roof over the head, taking care of the wifey, uh, kind of where did you start putting your time and energy? Uh, what, what was the key focus for you? Yeah. Uh, my wife is my business partner. She's a consultant just like I am. And uh, so we, when we decided to start I before E, uh, that was a, a goal that we kind of set for ourselves and we worked really hard for it. One thing we did was try to be conscious of our money. You know, when you work for somebody else, you're given uh, vacation time, right? PTO. We always set aside money to so that if we were ever between contracts, we wouldn't have to worry about it. And we always take the month of December off because my brother-in-law's birthday, then my wife's birthday, then Christmas, then my birthday, and my mother-in-law's birthday all happened right about the same time. So we always, every year, would take the month of December off. You can't do that if you don't plan for it. So we would always put money away for that. Um, we traveled a lot. Um, we, The whole idea of, of you know dying and leaving a big um, inheritance for somebody was never really appealed to us. Uh, we want to invest so that we're comfortable, but we also want to enjoy um, the fruits you know, of our labor. So we would travel. We would do a lot of traveling uh, around the world and everything like that. And we would invest in real estate. And so that's what we did. We invested. We had a, a cabin up in the mountains. We had a nice rental property plus our home. Uh, ended up selling those. Uh, we bought a condominium, downsized, um, which was a, a great you know, thing for us because you know, we have hardly any payments whatsoever. We decided this year, 2022, we were actually going to go uh, digital nomad. Uh, since we both do everything online, we can do it from anywhere. So why not do it at the beach? So we're selling our property. We're selling everything we have, uh, getting down to one vehicle, uh, just our clothes, our, our laptop, uh, my microphones for my podcast and everything like that. And then we're just going to travel the US. And if it works out for the year, who knows? Maybe we'll go international. Nice. RV or uh, oh, that's that's a little bit of a stretch. No, I <laughs> I could do it. Um, I'm a jeeper. I, I drive my jeep. I'll camp out um, pretty much anywhere. My wife likes a little bit more comfort, so we're going to stay in Airbnbs. Um, we do have a couple friends who have asked us to house sit for them while they're on vacation, so that'll be a nice break for us. So uh, yeah, but I figure we can we can cut our costs. We can go and travel and visit uh, friends, see things that we haven't seen in the U.S. and uh, just have a good time. So as you were setting yourself up to make this transition, right, to start I before ye, um, and you knew you wanted to take the month of December off, you knew uh, it's almost the opposite of PTO, right? Uh, you got to have money set aside for when you're not working in between contracts. How did you guys think about that, Harlan? And what kind of decisions did you make in terms of you know, where you put your money? Was it somewhere, you know, just a savings account to make sure it was there? Did you put it in, you know, the market to earn something? Like, how did you think about that? Yeah, my my wife is a financial genius of, of this outfit. Um, and so she was always very good about having a, a budget for the house. So we knew exactly what we needed and kept everything within that range. Uh, the extra money would always be divided up some into a, a savings account that we would use for vacation times. The other would be um, in our, uh, like the 401ks and things that we'd set up for ourselves, tuck that money away and very consistent with that. Um, if we ever went through a slump to where we couldn't put money in the 401, we would then make up for it later and, and do a, a larger amount. But we always set that money aside because we knew that we wanted to slow down. To us, retirement doesn't mean 
stopping and sitting on the TV, uh, on the on the couch watching TV. That's not retirement for us. Retirement for us is financial freedom. Do what you want. You know, if you want to do something today, do it. If you want to go somewhere today, do it. And so that's what we always uh, strive for was to put that money aside so that we could do the things that we wanted to do. And it supported us, you know, a lot. I mean, we've been on the cruises and the travel to, you know, Europe and the UK and, and Mexico and everything like that. We've, we've done a lot. Uh, but now we want to start, you know, just focusing kind of, kind of on us and the, the parts that we like. And for the consulting side, it's working with those businesses to help them achieve the goals that, that they have. That's, that's very rewarding for both of us. Yeah, very cool. Was there a set formula or allocations that you put to each of these buckets? Uh, it sounds like you had a pretty structured plan uh, in terms of how you wanted to get there. You know, how did you land on you know what percent went to savings? What you know, what went to four hundred one k? What went to vacation, uh, et cetera? Well, again, we always put aside you know what we knew to cover whatever our, we calculated was our hourly or weekly or monthly rate. We knew if we want to take the month off. We'd, we'd need this amount in savings. Um, whatever the the maximum amount allowable by uh, law, by tax, um, IRS, we would put that money aside, you know, in, this, in the savings. And then everything else, we would just, if it wasn't in the budget, it was extra. And we put it away in that, that slush fund that we could use. Nice. And you talked about financial freedom. What does financial freedom mean to you? Yeah. And I, I try to talk to my, my clients about that too. It's, you know, people go into business and they have this idea of what an entrepreneur's lifestyle is. For some people, it's the big house, you know, for other people, it's, it's multiple locations. It's the travel, you know, whatever it happens to be. For us, financial freedom was just being able to make our own choices, not being driven by somebody else. You know, usually when you work for another company, they decide what happens. If they decide to shut down a facility, you're out of a job, right? If they decide to move to another location, you have to move with them or you're out of a job. We always wanted to have that control uh, for ourselves. We both worked W-2 for a lot of different companies. And while it was fun, we realized that we were the ones doing a lot of the work and yet we were getting a, a fraction of the amount coming in. So that's when we sat down and talked about it, kind of drew out what we wanted. And we knew that as our own um, independent company, IB4E, we could uh, get these rates and we knew, okay, if, if this is what our pay would normally be, all this other stuff can go then into the savings, into the 401 and into the slush fund. Um, and so far it's been awesome. Like I said, we invested in real estate that allowed us to, to buy the property we have now pretty much cash out. Um, our vehicles are all paid for. Um, I just paid for my daughter's wedding or part of the, my daughter's wedding uh, recently, and we still have lots of money sitting around. So that's why we decided if we go location independent, we can actually uh, cut our costs and still maintain the lifestyle that we have and uh, travel around. Yeah. Sounds like a very Ramsey approach, right? In terms of uh, controlling uh, the expenses, eliminating the debt, right? And uh, creating the savings accordingly. And my wife um, always did that, the, the Ramsey approach of the whole snowball, right? To pay off everything, you know, and once this is paid off, you'd lump that sum in with this and pay this piece off. She has kept us, I mean, so far <laughs> in ahead of, of the game. I said, all the vehicles are paid. At one time we had two cars, two motorcycles, plus the house, plus traveling and everything like that. And everything was paid for. So I, she's, I, I owe it all to her. She's just a, a genius when it comes to that stuff. And I think it was growing up 
um, her family wasn't, you know, that, that well off. And so she got it in her head. I will never be poor. I will never be in a position where I can't afford something. And so we worked really hard uh, to make sure that we had the the money set aside to do what we need to do. Nice. The financial freedom piece, right. And that ability to do whatever you wanted. Was it a number or that you had, or was it, you know, work hard enough where this paid off and, you know, we feel like we can go do X, Y, Z. Like at what point did you say, ah, I'm there. I have that voice, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, how did you come to that realization? Yeah. I don't think it was ever a specific number. Um, you know, some people say I need to make X million and I know that I'll have succeeded. We have always done what we wanted to do as far as travel, um, gifts for family and friends, doing things like that. We've always had that, that money there. So it was never a specific amount that we worked towards. It was just um, working with, we have a, a financial advisor that has the programs that he plugs in the values and kind of shows how things will work over the next you know, 10, 20 years, whatever. So we would go in and, and play, what if, what if we did this? What if we did that to see? And every one of those scenarios show that we're going to be anywhere from comfortable to really a-okay. <laughs> and so as long as we're there, you know, we're fine, but we've always been ones if we needed to, if we needed to go into a, a small one bedroom apartment, uh, we would do it. You know, if we needed to get a second job, we would do it. Um, that's just the way we've always been both of us. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate that, you know, my wife has that wherewithal to, to make sure that, uh, that we're all set, but it's been, it's been fun. It's been really good. It sounds like a good balance between the two of you guys. Um, as you're working with your clients, right? These guys that you were talking about on the skilled trades and you're talking to them about financial freedom, how do you help them get their head around? And, you know, what's, what's the one or two pieces of advice that you give them to, to get to that point? Hmm. The one thing uh, that I, I try to impress on them is you have to know your numbers, right? In business, you have to know, um, what it costs you to do business every day, um, your labor charges, your profitability. Um, you have there's those five reports that every uh, business owner should look at on a, at least a quarterly basis, if not more often. Um, your balance sheet, profit and loss statement, uh, cash flow statement, your AR and AP. You have to know where those numbers are and what that means. Track those numbers and, and make sure you're you know in a, in a good position. Um, I've got a spreadsheet I go uh, through with each one of my clients to put in their overhead numbers, put in uh, the number of employees they have, the average uh, salary and everything like that to come down so that they know when I bill out uh, this job, here's what the labor rate should be to make sure that it covers everything. You know, too many times uh, when you talk to businesses and say, you know, how much revenue do you need? They say, well, I have five employees at this amount, so I need to make that amount of money. It's like, you're forgetting your profit, you're forgetting your overhead charges, you're forgetting all this stuff, right? And I think that's where they get in trouble is they don't really understand the numbers. Um, I had one client a few years back, I asked him, you know, how, uh, how was your revenue last year? And he goes, oh, we did really good. I said, so what exactly was your revenue? He goes, I, I don't know exactly, but we did really good. I said, what's your profit margin? He goes, oh, profit margin is really good. I said, what's your profit margin? He goes, I, I don't know. I don't know, but it's really good. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know what you need to do to improve those numbers. You know, um, Michael, the guy I was talking about earlier, we looked at um, his closing rate when they completed a job to closing the job to invoicing for that job was almost 27 days. That's a long time for your money to be hanging out there and stuff. 
since we focused on it, understood what those numbers were, streamlined the process they were in, they got the close rate down to five days and invoicing within another five to seven days. And now they're getting paid a lot more uh, consistently. You know, so it's really helped improve their business. It's knowing those numbers, knowing what they mean and how to improve them. What are the leadership components that you think you know you're you're having to instill to to have those behaviors, have that recognition, you know, be able to uh, deliver on some of those things that you're talking about to to get them to financial freedom? Yeah, the leadership component is sometimes a step for them. A lot of these guys worked you know side by side with their teams, and now they've started their own company, brought some of those folks over they're having to make that transition from buddy to boss. And that's a tough transition. You have to be able to take on that leadership role and step fully into that role. Um, leaders are the visionary uh, in the company. They set uh, the, the goals, a strategic vision for the company, where we're going, how we plan to get there. Um, they have to fully step into that role and be that leader. They have to be able to delegate, to build their team. Um, so that, you know, if this guy's working commercial and this guy's working uh, residential, they have to be able to set those, those leaders up, give them everything that they need to be good, strong leaders, and then delegate to them, let them uh, do their jobs. Too many times, uh, the, the business owner, if, if things start going a little south or a little squirrely, they dive into what they know best, which is hands-on doing the work. You can't do that. You have to be able to, to extricate yourself from that you know, focus on building the business and then teach these people down below how to actually, you know, run the business on a day-to-day basis. If you can do that, if you can get your time management in, uh, delegate, uh, learn how to build leaders within your team. Um, yeah, they'll be fine. The, the guy I'm working with right now, we're going through the process of building his structure of his team. He's got each person has their metrics that they need to meet. Um, we check in on a, a weekly basis. Uh, they have a scorecard that they go through to talk about the different uh, things that they have to do. And as long as we're within range on that scorecard, we know the business is running and operating just fine. If anything is outside the margin, that's when we stop and do a deep dive and try to figure out what's on, going on with that. And so once you give them that visibility to, of the scorecard to understand number what those numbers mean and uh, how to impact those numbers, um, it gives them a lot of, of freedom you know, because they can actually drive the business the way they want. With these guys that you're working with, you know, what, what's the one, if you were to boil it down to, you know, Hey, this is the one thing that I think is most important, uh, you know, that you're either instilling or trying to get them so that they can be profitable so they can get to financial freedom. You know, what would that one thing or one piece of advice that you might have that you would give the listeners in terms of, Hey, start here. I, I would say find a mentor. Find a coach, find somebody that you can sit down with. Um, on my my podcast, The Courage to Lead, we talk about intellectual courage. That's the ability to take the knowledge and the uh, long-held beliefs you have and set them aside to make room for new knowledge because there's always new knowledge. If you, as the business owner, think you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room, right? Your employees that are doing the job, a lot of times they have ideas on how they can improve things. You have to be courageous enough to set aside your beliefs and listen to what they're they're saying, to try to you know be the best uh, that you can be. If you if you engage them and they can help build the company, build those processes and improve those processes, they'll take ownership in the company and and start running it almost like theirs, right? So you you get that entrepreneurial spirit um, alive. 
but for every one of these guys, it's like find uh, somebody that you can talk to, find out about uh, business, learn about the business, learn your numbers, learn how to read those uh, financial statements, everything like that. Get help. You know, it's, it's asking for help is not weakness. It's a sign of strength. It shows that you realize um, that you don't have all the answers, right? There's a different levels of, of um, education, right? There's uh, unconscious incompetence, right? So where you don't know what you don't know. There's conscious incompetence where you're aware of the things you don't know, right? Conscious competence and then unconscious competence is where things become second nature. If you know that there's something you're lacking, ask for help. It shows that you're, you know, it, it, to me, it's a, it's a sign of strength, not weakness. So ask for help, get some help. So if I'm a small business owner who's listening to this podcast, where do I start in terms of trying to find a mentor uh, or a coach? Uh, you know, what, what resources should I be looking at in my area? Like, how do I get there yeah. so that I'm not, you know, guessing on who might do well or who might not, uh, that there's a higher probability of, you know, success for both of us? Sure. I, there are a lot of resources out available. Small Business Association, uh, the SCORE a group out of the Small Business Association has um, a lot of good resources for you. Find a coach. Um, if somebody wants to talk, I always offer a free consultation, 100% free. There's no sales pitch. We'll talk about whatever you're struggling with. Come up with two or three strategies you can use to implement. Um, and that, that conversation is 100% free. So if anybody's interested and they'd like to talk to somebody, no sales pitch guaranteed, <laughs> um, they can go to uh, my website. It's ib4e-coaching.com um, and they can connect with me right there. I've got a lot of information out there. There's some free resources out there on the website too, uh, but definitely ask somebody, You know, reach out to somebody, find a mentor. Awesome. What's What's the most exciting thing you're working on right now, Harlan, that gets you excited to, you know, get up and uh, go about your day that's, uh, you know, not spending time on the motorcycle or the beach, so to speak? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm having a lot, a lot of fun doing my podcast. Uh, like I said, the podcast is called The Courage to Lead. Um, what does it take to be a courageous leader? Uh, where do people find the courage to ditch that comfort zone of the nine to five job to start their own business? Uh, where do they find the courage to overcome the bankruptcies, the divorce, the illnesses, the things that would normally people, it would set them back. These people find the courage to continue. Um, I've talked to people on the podcast, uh, one guy, Marcus Ogden, NFL uh, pro lineman. After a career in the NFL, he started a construction company making 15 million a year. And then he lost everything. And he, he says it's because of his own arrogance. He lost everything. He was uh, working as a janitor for $8 an hour just to get back on his feet. And now he's back. He's got his construction company back. He's uh, an author, a keynote speaker. That failure would have drove most of us to curl up in a little fetal position in the corner. But he had that drive, that desire um, to continue. And so I, I love talking to people about that. Where do you find that courage? And what does that courage look like? And, and uh what does it need mean to be a courageous leader? So that's that's what gets me up in the morning is doing that and talking to great people. Awesome. As we're wrapping up here, Arlen, any last uh, thoughts or feedback you want to leave with the audience? Um, uh, being a leader is is tough. You do have to find the courage to be a good leader. A good leader has to be not only the intellectual courage; they have to have uh, moral courage. They have to have empathetic courage. Um, talk to your employees. Engage your employees. You know, we always talk about the the manager in the restaurant when you're sitting at dinner and the manager comes over and says, hey, how was your meal? Look at their feet. 
If their feet are pointed towards your table, they're interested in your answer. If their feet are pointed up the aisle, they're just doing a drive-by and they really don't care. As a leader in your business, as a manager in your business, if you're stopping to talk to your employees, face your employees, engage them, look them in the eye and actually talk to them, be open with them. That's what uh, a lot of employees are, are missing nowadays. That's why they're, they're, you know, the great resignation is really them reevaluating. Do I really want to be here? Make that, make that possible for them, you know, engage them. Appreciate your insights and feedback today, Harlan, uh, and being on the show and uh, look forward to staying connected and Absolutely. Hearing, hearing where you end up next in your uh, digital nomad life. Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks, Liam. Really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today on The Prosperity Perspective. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, please head over to theprosperityperspective.com where you can hear from other successful business owners on their approach to investments. On our website, you'll be able to learn more about how DML Capital currently helps other business owners, like yourself, diversify their investments and grow their wealth. Take our short quiz to see if you're ready to take the next steps toward your financial success. 